Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. So we're in class four, and this is session five, and we've been looking at the different emotional and behavioral disorders. Right now, we're going to look at things that will help a child succeed um, in school, and these are just, you know, very important things that we would have. Some of our children with, with these problems don't have these, and we may not be able to put all of them in play, but certainly the more of these you have, um, the better your behavior is going to be. So you see that it kind of starts up here with supportive families, safe neighborhoods, and good schools, which we would like for all children to have. Um, we want their needs to be provided for. Clearly, those kids who are having neglect or abuse, you know, they're going to have problems starting right there. Um, we want a nurturing, supportive environment with parents who are consistent with their discipline. Um, the, the parents um, are giving good role models and a lot of nurturing of their emotional needs as well as their physical needs. Um, that they monitor how much TV, watching, and other media they're exposed to. And that the school, the parents have a good attitude about school and, you know, are excited for them to go to school. Um, that we don't have too many issues in the family like death or divorce or other moving. Um, and that parents are well educated on what they need to do. If you have that, note it leads over to good adaptive behavior. Um, generally, a child who was exposed to all of those factors tends to be ready to learn when they go to school and they know how to already obey authorities. They've, they've obeyed their parents and they understand about rules. Um, their interaction style tends to be very collaborative, working with others, and they do well with peers. And um, their problem-solving skills are effective, again, for their age. I mean, most of these kids, remember, are going to be about five um, when they go into kindergarten. All right, so then they're off to school. Um, and that will produce some good, positive, short-come outcomes. We see that the child goes to school regularly. Um, if they have all those um, adaptive behaviors, they're generally well-liked by their friends and their teachers, and they are going to be successful. Um, they rarely will get into trouble with discipline. There won't be a lot of movement from one school to the next or placement options. Um, they'll get involved in some of the extracurricular things, and as they get older and older, they won't get involved with, with drugs, alcohol, or anything against the law. Okay, that goes well. Then, obviously, they're likely to have these more long-term adaptive outcomes, such as graduating from school because they did well, and um, getting involved with you know others in their community and friends and family making this good contribution, being a productive adult in society, having a job or you know volunteering or doing something um, that will be very healthy and no good mental health, uh, which can get you through the different crises that may come. Right, for our children with emotional and behavioral issues, a lot of times the breakdown comes with that family first step right and that is then each one of the rest of them will become flawed it, it can break down later um, but oftentimes it comes early on there and so we want to intervene as early as possible you know to try to get kids back on the right pathway to be successful right, one of the things that we really want to look at here is is diversity 
Um, this is something that's a real problem in a lot of our school settings. Um, if you look at who's in the special ed programs for um, emotional and behavioral disorders, you're going to see a really high representation of African-American males, way higher than the percentage um, of just African-American males as they're represented in the population at large. All right. Some of this comes from issues such as teachers assuming um, that African-American males are going to be behavior problems. They don't really understand um, that a lot of these kids um, you know, just need to be taught um, how to behave if they haven't learned it at home or you know, they do something that everybody else does and we see it as being worse. Um, for these children and that really does need to be something that people who teach really do need to address and that people who are doing assessment um, also need to be aware of that a lot of times um, they're not really doing anything that's truly a behavior problem or emotional problem we're just overreacting to these kids all right there are a lot of girls who have more of the internalizing um, types of problems and yet we don't notice them and they overall no matter what race they might be, um, they're underrepresented. And some of these uh, individuals do need to actually be diagnosed. We need to be kind of more aware of some of those internalizing issues. Now, it doesn't mean a female student can't be externalizing and be aggressive because they can be. Um, but generally speaking, um, we think that's probably why they're overlooked. Um, so if we're working with these children, there's a couple of things. Um, any kind of schedule, if you're in a classroom or just as you work, any schedule, you want to post that. Let them know what is the structure for today, right? Put it somewhere very prominent where they will see it and they will know that we're going to do this for 30 minutes and then we're going to move and we're going to do something else to keep them um, really on a schedule and that helps being the antecedent to the correct behavior. All right, this is actually something we probably just need to do in general, uh, but with any child who has some struggling academically, it's always a good idea to alternate. Um, if you've got something really difficult to do, this is hard and it's tiring. It requires more focus than we might have. And afterwards, we're tired. All right, so then you take a break and you do something a little bit more fun, a little bit easier, so that we really aren't just constantly pushing at our maximum level. And that really is just good advice for anybody who's working um, on task. You always kind of want to alternate, maybe start with a difficult one when you're fresh and then take a little break and do something a little bit easier and then back up and go to another difficult one. So always kind of keep in mind that we do need some reinforcements in there and we may not get them with the difficult tasks so we need an easier one for that. All right another thing that's really important is type of learning activities that we're doing. Um, listening to notes like you're doing now is usually considered passive unless you're actually taking notes which might make your brain be a little more actively involved. Interacting in a conversation or a discussion would be a lot more active. Your brain gets more involved there. Um, you can learn both ways, but it's really easy if you're doing more passive types of things to lose focus. 
um, get off task, daydream, things like that. And so the more active you are in your, your learning, the more it's actually going to process in. Um, and so we want to, you know, at least try to mix those things up so that you're doing some things where you're actually trying to focus on your own um, to be active. Um, we don't want to get too caught up and obviously we want structure, but we want to adjust lengths of things as we're working with our schedule. So everything doesn't need to be 30 minutes. Everything doesn't need to be an hour. All right. Some things we may want to do a little bit longer and other things we may want to take a little bit shorter just for variety's sake. Um, the more we end up in a rut, the more we're likely to want to break out of it. All right. A certain amount of structure is good right but it can get very boring if you were overly structured so we want to have a little bit of um, adjustment in there you may even want to you know take a stretch break every now and again with these kids because remember they are definitely going to have some movement issues um, you're going to need to go over the rules and the schedule quite often these kids are very prone to forget those kinds of things and so we, we definitely want to talk about what we're going to be doing next and how, what kind of behavior do we expect um, when we are there and just kind of make sure your kids understand that sort of thing. Just like you do if you took a kid into a china shop, you keep your hands to yourself and you don't touch. All right, that sort of thing. If there's a schedule change, this is really hard for these kids, and it's also going to be hard for your children who have autism spectrum disorder. You need to let them know this. All right, so if you got like you're in a school and there's a pep rally, you know, because you got a big football game, and today we're doing a pep rally, and instead of being in the classroom and doing history, which is what we would normally do, say, um, we're all going to go down and we're going to have a pep rally. You don't want to spring this on these kids at the last second. Like, oh, sorry, y'all, we got to go down. Okay, you need to be saying this like the day ahead. Now, remember tomorrow we've got a pep rally um, at the last little section of school. And that morning, remember, today we're going to have a pep rally. All right, this is to just give kids the ability to shift gears well. You should do this with your, your, your normal kids. You need to say things like, in 10 minutes, it's going to be bedtime. All right, and we all need to start thinking about putting our stuff up. All right, and so you, you just let them know these things are coming. You don't want to shift too fast, and we actually don't like it either. Um, if you're doing um, something very traditional, then you need a, a kind of a here's how we always open so you realize we're starting. All right, here's how we close so you realize that we're ending. All right, it, you know, you can set up different kinds of things for that. Like, I like to open my classes, a call roll, and then I do like a little devotional a lot of times. And that lets them know we're starting. All right, and at the end, you know, I'll tend to say something like, okay, that's our last thing to do for today, and um, you're dismissed. And they'll know that it's over. So you want to have something like that just to give them the structure of when we start and when we stop. Look at that arrangement in your in your classroom setting. If we're talking about a classroom, if this is a home or a, a you know lab environment, we want to look at that as well. This kind of ties back to that ecological approach, making sure that the environment that you're in is the most conducive for learning. You may not control some things like the noise level. Um, what you have going on outside your windows that might be very distracting. Um, but this may not be the year if you've got kids with behavioral issues, you know, or those with ADHD issues. Maybe this isn't the year to have the bunny in the classroom because they're going to be looking to see what the bunny does. Um, so you just want to look around, see if they're sitting in the right appropriate place to give them the best study ability. 
Um, encourage relationships. Now, you know, this, this is appropriate relationships. So you want to be able to talk um, to your student and make sure that they feel comfortable talking to you about things. You don't want an inappropriate relationship where you're too involved with them. You really shouldn't befriend them on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, things like that, where you're getting too involved, um, then you get into trouble. So kind of, you know, just look at appropriate relationships there. All right, one big thing is to teach how to monitor yourself. Are you on task when you need to be? How do you get yourself back on task if you're not? so that you can get the work done that you need to do, right? Can you say, all right, we're going to sit down for 20 minutes and do this, and then you can take a 10-minute break, all right? We'll just teach them those kinds of strategies. Some of our individuals are going to need to be taught how to be socially appropriate, you know, just how to have a conversation with give and take where they learn just the polite rules of society and we give them some chances to practice that all right so that you are showing them um, how you would interact with other people in an appropriate way because many of them have no clue um, every school should have in play um, some sort of crisis prevention program how to manage issues if a, a child begins to lose it we've had incidences across the country of school shootings um, we've had aggression in schools where teachers have been harmed or other students have been harmed. And so there needs to be um, something in play when we're dealing with kids who might have these issues. Um, there's always the chance. And obviously we hope it would never happen, but we do need to know what to do in case of that so that we would be able to take steps immediately. Certainly today with teachers having cell phones, that makes it a lot easier than back in the day when that wasn't true. So they can call right away and get help. Our objectives in terms of education, first off, are going to be to keep misbehavior under control. So that this is not, not only causing this person issues, but distracts the entire class, all right, from doing what they need to do. Um, if necessary, the social skills would be our next focus um, so that we have individuals who can get along with others. Note, academics is actually third. Um, you normally would put that as first with your typical child, but they already know how to control misbehavior and have social skills, and we don't have to focus on that. These children got to get those first two under control before we can begin to go to the third one. And so we are going to have to shift our focus a little bit with these um, children. Obviously, we want to balance a little bit here um, their behavioral control with some academic skills and with the social learning. Uh, you know, we're going to try to do it all if we can um, so that we've got the most productive use of our time. Generally, our settings trend towards inclusion with these children. When we look at where are they placed, um, we like to include them with our typical children. But some have really unique needs and may need um, a much more restrictive environment. Some are going to need a self-contained class, and a few are going to need an alternative school. Um, until they learn control of their behavior and emotions, it may be really hard to include them. Um, but we try to teach that, and hopefully we will get to including them with our typical children um, at least soon enough. Again, we got to teach those social skills. Um, if we do have to work on that and some of their control of behavior, we may need to be a little more restrictive because that's hard to do those two things in your typical classroom. 
Um, also, we have to really think about discipline. This is a big consideration, and this is one reason a lot of children aren't diagnosed, quite frankly, um, because you really can't expel them if we can say they could have controlled their behavior. Um, you got to learn to be able to, to put that functional behavior assessment in as part of the education. Sometimes we have to teach the teachers how to do this. Um, school um, psychologists know how to do this. They've learned how to do this, but it's not really something teachers do, and it's a little harder for them because they've got, you know, maybe 20 to 25 children. They're trying to see to all of them at one time. You know, as a school psychologist comes in, they're just focusing on one. Um, so it's easier, you know, for them to be able to do it. But we want to teach them how to do this, and maybe we need to teach their parents a little bit about this in terms of managing consequences. We need to put into play some really positive supports for correct behavior um, where we are going to make it easier for them, and there need to be these intervention programs. And this would be where you would be, um, after you've done your functional behavior assessment, the intervention plans are working on how to put in new consequences so that your behaviors will change. And so we may be doing like a modification program here. Um, sometimes kids work well with contracts. We, we can set up a behavioral contract, which literally is like any contract. Um, you may have had one of these when you were starting to drive um, where, you know, your parents would sign, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, provide you car insurance and maybe I'll pay for your gas and you can use the car during these hours and you sign. Um, I won't text and drive. I won't drink and drive. I won't have more than, you know, one person in the car with me at any time. Um, and you all agree to the terms and you sign. That can be very useful with um, a student who has these issues or a child and you kind of set up. Here's the behavior expectations for you. And here are the consequences we're going to put into play if you don't meet these things. And here are the consequences that we're going to put into play if you do meet these things. And those will, of course, be reinforcers. And those can work very nicely um, with children. When we transition, there are some programs out there available to help with our individuals who do have these issues. Um, often they're available in our standard public high school classes um, for our children to be able to kind of learn how to act in an adult environment. Um, there are consultant teachers who come in um, who work with children on behavior management and provide some individualized work for them that would sort of mimic what it might be like for them if they are in a work environment. Um, we may have to pull the kid out of the classroom to do this, um, depending on what they're needing to learn. And they may go to a, a resource room for a period or so, a day, or a self-contained class for maybe three to seven periods a day. The work-study programs are, are really good, where they're kind of doing um, part of their work, um, go out and work on uh, a job for part of their day, and the rest of the time they're dealing with their studies. Um, there are also other school options sometimes that we may put them in to sort of begin to transition them. There's some private schools designed for children with um, these types of issues, and that's a pretty restrictive environment. Um, a lot of schools in their district will have an alternative school where kids are going because they really have had behavior issues in their school. Um, and there's a lot of residential um, schools where the kids actually go live um, away from their family. All right. 
Um, we've got some children who are incarcerated in prisons, and they tend to be very neglected. We don't do much for them. Um, and right now, there really aren't that many services to try to re- rehab them and get them back out into the, the public. Um, any child who has an emotional behavioral disorder is going to have some problems with jobs because their academics are usually suffering, and they may not get a diploma. They may not actually graduate high school, and that obviously causes you know problems with getting a job. Um, some folks have problems their whole life with their emotional issues, and if they've got bipolar, that's a long-term illness. Um, some are going to need other interventions just for externalizing problems, anger issues that they may have. Um, and so we may see that we need long-term intervention. Um, so what you'll do next is, of course, your reading for this week, writing assignments and discussion questions, um, and then you'll take your weekly quiz. Um, references are in your textbook. We do have a couple slides from your older version of a textbook on here, so we wanted to list that as well, and that is the end of week four.